Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. In March and throughout the northern, it's throughout the uh, northern hemisphere, that means spring is almost here, the season of love, and all of us in uh, colder climes emerge from uh, winter hibernation, so many thoughts of, uh, with thoughts of romantic love. And for the single and unattached, meeting Mr. or Ms. Wright and sharing mutual physical and emotional attraction for folks at middle age who have been married to the same person for a long time to restore the mutual romantic impulses shared early on in marriage. And for those still suffering emotionally from a recent divorce or the untimely death of a spouse or life partner, a chance to uh, this spring to get back into circulation and to find true passion with somebody new. And here's the question for today. Can the foods we eat actually increase our libido the next time we're in an intimate moment? Like me, I suspect you've read or heard about aphrodisiac foods, foods that supposedly can stimulate mutual physical attraction and spur romance. Are these aphrodisiac foods fact or fiction? Do they really work? And if not, what uh, foods will? And to answer that question, I've invited back internationally acclaimed author and natural lifestyle expert Jaya Jaya Myra. And remember, uh, you can go back and uh, listen to prior programs she was on last May, and you can listen to those anytime at your convenience. And Jaya Jaya Myra is an author, speaker, trainer, energy healer, and lifestyle coach. She teaches folks like you and me how to cultivate our physical, mental, and emotional health based on our very own unique energy types and elemental body composition. And she's author of the acclaimed 2015 book, Vibrational Healing. And hello, Myra, and welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Good morning. Thanks for having me back. Well, what about widely acclaimed so-called aphrodisiac foods like chocolate-covered strawberries, watermelon, chilies, figs, and oysters? Do any of these work, and which ones work, and which ones really don't? They actually do. Some of the foods do work well. Uh, others, not as much. Right. So I'm sure you see all over the news, there's tons of articles online like where you're constantly hearing about, oh, go eat this food because it's going to help get you in the mood or stay away from this because it's not going to. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about this today and help to get through the fact and fiction of it, why certain foods work and why certain ones don't. So one of the most common things people always think of for an aphrodisiac food is chocolate-covered strawberries, right? <laughs> they advertise those <laughs> all the time coming uh, Valentine's Day and, and other days like that. Yeah. They really push those things. So, so the uh, nice so thing is that chocolate-covered strawberries actually do work for both men and women. Mm. That's one of the things is a lot of aphrodisiac foods will be specific to men or women, but mostly to men. 
Yeah, so it's important. That <laughs> it's work important that well. women get it. <laughs> if, if a woman eats an aphrodisiac food that may work for a man, it's not going to do anything for her. So she should focus on something else. But chocolate-covered yeah. strawberries are one of those that will work for both sexes. Oh. And the reason behind that, uh, well, strawberries, it's a little bit less direct of a reason, but it's really super packed with vitamin C. Oh. And there's been new new scientific research that shows that vitamin C is really good at keeping the blood flowing in oh. all parts of the body. So, so I guess I can, could drink orange help. juice before. <laughs> you definitely <laughs> could. Or even kiwi. Uh, kiwi yeah. is also another exceptionally high source of vitamin C that, that most people don't realize. Yeah. Uh, and chocolate. Uh, chocolate's actually really great. It contains a couple of compounds. Um, one being phenethylamine, which is one of the, the compounds in chocolate. And it's a stimulant that when released uh, in in the body, it causes your brain to fall in love with people. Oh, and this wow. is why we so commonly associate chocolate with love. Yeah. Uh, chocolate also contains tryptophan, which is no which is known to increase serotonin production, oh. which is one of those chemicals that will help to make you feel good. But I tell people, avoid foods that have a ton of tryptophan in them. Uh, you probably have heard of tryptophan when it comes to turkey at Thanksgiving time. Oh. It's notorious for making people fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. So don't, you know, try to avoid uh, some of the other foods that are really high in tryptophan, like turkey, Many people don't know this, but hummus, like avoid hummus, those sorts of things uh, that don't have those other compounds in it, which are going to help stimulate you because if you get too relaxed, you're just prone to fall asleep. It's not prone to actually get you in the mood. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But the chocolate, the strawberry combo is really good because strawberries also have natural sugars. They're going to give you a boost of energy. They're going to keep you awake. Combine that with all the magic and wonder of chocolate which has also been known for a very long time in many generations to just give stamina and energy yeah. to people. Well, I, so I, this I, is definitely a good food. Recognize that. Watermelon I've never thought of <laughs> being a good food. <laughs> yes, watermelon is one of those foods that a lot of people don't think of that can be good for sexual health. But for men, it is. Not necessarily for women, and here's why. <laughs> watermelon... Uh, it's a wonderful food for other reasons, which we can get into. So with spring being here, uh, approaching summer, you know, people wanting to go to the beach and stuff, watermelon is actually great because it contains a lot of compounds that can help protect you from the damaging rays in the sun. But if you're a woman and you want to use it for sexual health, not necessarily uh, very good. For men, it may be good. It contains both citrulline and lycopene. Uh, tomatoes are known for lycopene, but actually watermelon contains more lycopene than tomatoes do. Oh. So here's the thing with these two compounds. Uh, citrulline will relax the blood vessels in the body, so it functions in an almost identical way to Viagra. So this yeah. is why it works well for men. It's not necessarily <laughs> going to be great for women. Uh, the citrulline, which is also very good for sexual health, the problem with that is that it's mostly found in the watermelon rind. So unless you're going to be eating something Ugh. like watermelon rind preserves, I, I don't know about you, but I love them. And I haven't mm. been able to find them since I was a child. So yeah. you know anywhere I can get some watermelon well, rind preserves. I, sure I, I will love you forever. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so don't go to watermelon for the citrulline unless you're going to be eating the rind. And, frankly, I don't know anyone that would do that. 
Uh, what, but what about it, chilies it, and oysters? I've never heard of them. <laughs> And being aphrodisiac food? Yeah. yeah. So the reason that chilies work, and they do, and they will work for both men and women, which is good, uh, the spice, when the spice gets oh. on your tongue, it helps to release epinephrine in the body, which then has a cascading effect to help to help stimulate endorphin production, which is going to make you feel good. Oh, so, uh, you know, they always talk about let's spice things up. There's yeah. definitely a reason that we use that language because yeah. spice can help us to relax and feel good and also give us that little zing of excitement and energy. So if you're someone who's prone to be a little bit more lethargic, spice might actually be a very good solution for both men and women for getting in the mood. Oysters. Just make sure that if you're you're eating spicy food, you might want to take a breath mint after that before you and your partner you try to have burn some fun. Your partner. <laughs> you you might you definitely might be careful. Don't have that on your hands. Don't have that when you're uh, you're trying to make love to someone. That would not yeah. be good. Your 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 partners have to punch you first. What do oysters so, have that uh, stimulate people? So oysters are another really awesome food, but again, only for men. So ladies, if a guy tries to uh, take you out on a date and get you to eat oysters, you can just graciously say no thank you, but definitely let him eat all the oysters he wants to eat. So but not in a month without R, he might get sick <laughs> without an R in it. They used to say that anyway. Interesting. <laughs> but the reason why oysters are so great is because they contain a lot of zinc, and oh. zinc is uh, very, very important for both testosterone and sperm production in men. Uh, oh. Zinc can also help to stimulate dopamine production in the body, and dopamine is one of those chemicals that makes you feel good. So, oh. guys, go for it. Uh, ladies, if you want something to eat, maybe go for the celery. A lot of people don't know that celery is an aphrodisiac food as well, and it helps to increase our sensitivity to the pheromone production and oh, to make us more uh, acutely turned on by that. So, well, ladies, go have some celery. Let's say that uh, the date goes well and it ultimately leads to a proposal and to marriage. What's the best and worst foods for a bride and groom to consume on their wedding day? Uh, you know, it's going to really boil down to what's going on in that relationship and what sort of problems that they're looking to get over. If you're <laughs> looking for something to, like, stimulate, like, to just really pump up your sex drive, yeah. uh, actually, an interesting food is pomegranates. That's one oh. that we haven't discussed. It's yeah. a it's a food that's been associated with fertility for a long time and, of course, yeah. for fertility and child and you have to have sex to get there. Yeah. So it is known to stimulate sexual drive in men and women, and it's also going to be really good for the ladies because it's got a ton of antioxidants in it, and that's going oh. to be really good for your skin health and giving you just a more radiant glow. Oh, I see. So I have to eat a pomegranate if I ever get married again, I guess. <laughs> I would say go for some figs. Figs yeah. are another really <laughs> wonderful choice for both men and women. Uh, and they've been associated with sexuality in almost every culture. And see, this is really, really interesting. So while figs themselves are related to sexuality, we always see the fig leaf representing modesty. Like, can yeah. you see statues and art? People use the fig leaf to cover themselves. 
Maybe it's because they're already in the mood and, and they're naked, so now they're trying to uh, cover themselves with a fig leaf. because Well, you, you uh, eat right? the figs and keep the leaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's how it works. But, uh, well, it's nothing to Absolutely. do with uh, romance, but voluntarily or not, lots of us switch jobs one or more mm-hmm. times during our working careers. Let's say you have a crucial job interview next week for a position you really want. What are the best and worst foods to eat before that job interview? I guess something that would make your breath bad would be the worst. (laughs) Yes, something that would make your breath reek would not be good. So I would definitely tell you avoid some of the spicy foods, avoid uh, chips and salsa. Don't eat stuff like that. It's not going to be good. Uh, Spice in general. Yes, this can help get you in the mood, but you also need to be aware of its effects on your body. If you're going to be sweating, if you're going to have bad breath, that's not (laughs) going to turn on your partner. It's not going to make a potential employer be interested in you either. So make sure that you're putting yourself. (laughs) You know, I would honestly recommend something like ginger. Ginger is a really great food before an interview because it helps to – stimulate memory and Mm. cognitive function. So if you want to remember those things that you need to say in an interview, like you've been practicing, you've done research on the company, you know, the person you're interviewing with, have some ginger. Ginger is a a great food for getting things flowing. It helps to eliminate nausea and an upset stomach. So if you've got those butterflies because you're going into a job interview, it's going to help to settle that. It's also going to help your memory. Well, in the time remaining, let's move beyond food and sex to talk about a path to a long-lasting, vibrant, healthy, and joyful marriage or relationship. In your book, Virtual Healing, you inform that our own energy type and that of our spouse has a lot to do with how effectively we interact and how best we can improve upon our uh, spousal communication. What do you mean by the term body energy, and what are you, you list five human physical types? What are they? So when I'm teaching people to understand their energy and competition, uh, competition, composition types, I look at the five elements, which are earth, water, fire, air, and space. And oh. these are used in both Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine as a way to understand uh, just the nature of what all of us are made up of. But the thing is, we're all made up of these elements in different proportions, which are going to affect our body shape, our structure, our personality, our likes, our dislikes. All of that stuff is going to come down to that composition type, which you can tie back to the elements as a way to understand what's going on inside of you. Well, I I don't have the slightest idea what element type I am. And uh, is there possible to determine your own energy type and... uh, What simple questions should you ask yourself to find out what type you are? It definitely is. Uh, I have a whole set of quizzes in my book, Vibrational Healing, Attain Balance and Wholeness, Understand Your Energy Type, and it's going to help you to identify both your mental and emotional temperament and also your physical body constitution, and it's going to go on to tell you how to work with those types. So, like, let's look at someone who, say, has a lot of earth element in their constitution. Like, maybe yeah. their their primary element is earth. Yeah. It can be a it can be a really great thing. It can help people to be great managers, great leaders, have really good organizational skills, be great writers. Uh, on the flip side of that, all of these elements also have their negative attributes as well that we need to learn to watch out for. 
you got a lot of earth elements, maybe you're really sluggish. Yeah. You could prone to be lethargic, to sleep too much, to be overweight. So, like, these are things that we need to look out for. And when you understand what your composition type is, you can know what your inherent strengths and weaknesses are, so you can use your strengths to help overcome your weaknesses. Well, let's say that my wife and I uh, both determine our uh, types, and I'm water, and my wife turns out to be fire. Should we immediately mm-hmm. head for divorce court, or <laughs> are folks most likely to uh, sustain marital bliss if they're the same energy type, or do opposites attract? And uh, Opposites definitely attract. Uh, I mean, I would say that people of the same energy type, there can be attraction there as well. But if everything is the same all the time, that can lead to problems. But you brought up the types of water and fire. That's actually a difficult combination. If one person's primary type is water and the other person's primary type is fire. Since water puts out fire, I guess that wouldn't work too well. (laughs) Water puts out fire or fire can boil water. So the person uh, that has the fire-based temperament, if they end up nitpicking a lot of things, they can cause the water-based person to get just very angry and irritated sometimes to the point of just like exploding. I don't know if you found that that has been an experience with you. No, uh, I'm also, just using that as an example. <laughs> <laughs> also, the, the fire-based person can easily hurt the feelings of the water-based individual oh, because fire people are, they're just very hot they're to the point. They, they tend to be very sharp in their communication styles. Yeah. And someone with a water-based temperament is more gentle, more flowing, more easygoing, and they don't necessarily... Uh, speak or think or communicate in that way. So you just have to learn to understand that each of these different elemental types is going to communicate in a slightly different way and to not take it personal because it's not the way that you choose to communicate. And you can understand that and you can start to see that, oh, this is just this person's personality type coming through and it's nothing personal Uh, I'm not that way, but then again, your partner can't be just like you anyway because you're not going to have exactly the same constitution type. So just learn to identify, like, what is them, and that can start to bridge any uh, problems you have with communication. And sit down and talk about it. The elemental model is great. You can say, hey, I'm water, you're fire. Uh, How maybe when you speak to me in this way and you're speaking very sharply, it it hurts me. You know, it hurts me more yeah. deeply than it would most people. So just, like, bring awareness to these situations so that you can start to communicate with your partner in a way that's healthy for you and for them. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about your 2015 book, Vibrational Healing. What's the meaning of the term vibrational healing, and how do we accomplish it? And is it self-administered, or do we? how do we get started with diagnosis and treatment? So when most people think about vibrational healing, you know, they think about uh, sound modalities and things that are using vibration to heal you. When I wrote the book, I was actually thinking of it from the opposite perspective, that we're all made of these different vibrational frequencies. Like even very solid, tangible things have a vibrational frequency to them. Uh, Every element has a different vibrational frequency. So it's understanding that, we're combined of all of these different attributes, all of these different elements, all of them that are are functioning at different frequencies and doing different things for our physical, mental, and emotional health. 
So when you start to see that something comes out of balance, depending on what that is, you can find uh, the right sort of modality that is going to work for that based on that frequency. Like maybe you find that your earth element is a little bit out of whack. Uh, A good indicator of that would be maybe you don't feel secure, you don't feel safe. Uh, You've had traumatic things happen to you in your life, which many people have. And so these sorts of people, they they gravitate towards, you know, needing to feel safe and secure. They may relate well to modalities like massage, uh, aromatherapy, working with stones. All of these different things, like, relate to earth element. That's going to help them to heal their emotional state, uh, and they're going to relate to it more positively than maybe other types of modalities which are not as grounded. Uh, These types of people might also relate well to spices, like cooking with different spices. And again, as we've already discussed food, spices have all sorts of effects on your mood and your emotions too. So someone might be really gravitating to wanting to know, hey, if I cook with this particular spice, what is it going to do for my health and well-being? It can be a way to uh, really just work with your own temperament, do something that you enjoy and get a benefit out of it. So that's what I was hoping to get across with my book, Vibrational Healing, is that we're all different. Find the things that are going to work best for you so that you can move forward and be the most successful in your life. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And uh, understanding and relating both yourself and to the person you're um, communicating with, be it your spouse or your boss or anyone else, makes so much sense. And sadly, we're out of time, and I barely touched the surface of this fascinating subject, vibrational healing. But to learn more, I highly recommend you preview Jaya Jaya Myra's book with the same title, Vibrational Healing, and visit her website, which is jayajayamyra.com, and that's J-A-Y-A-J-A-Y-A-M-Y-R-A for those that need spelling lessons. And thank you so much for uh, rejoining and returning, Myra, and uh, best of success in uh, selling your book and getting your message out. Thanks so much for having me back. And as uh, we say for so long for today, here's hoping every one of us accomplishes maximum health, balance, well-being, and has a lot of fun with our partners this spring and throughout the year. Well, I'd like to close today's program with one of my pet peeves, perhaps one of yours also, and that's screen addiction. Specifically, I'd like to talk about how it can ruin a vacation or a meal out with a family, whatever, uh, for you and the whole family. And this info that I'm going to talk about comes from a February 5, 2018 article in USA Today. And have you noticed the travel zombies yet? They're overrun, uh, they've overrun the Orlando theme park where Lisa Ann Schreier works. She says, I've seen entire families walking around completely oblivious to their surroundings, which they probably paid 100 bucks or so if they have a large family to get into. And that's pretty sad, she says, to say nothing of people literally walking into other people. And Jonathan Schroeder, a culinary educator based in Wilmington, Delaware, and I don't know just what a culinary educator is, maybe a food critic, I don't know. He's run into them, too, and I I can second that because I have myself, and I bet you have, too. 
visiting a San Francisco restaurant recently. He spotted a vacationing family at a table across the room, and all of them were staring at their screens. They hardly spoke to one another. Isn't that sad? I especially have noticed that when kids are at one end of a table and they aren't even paying any attention to the adults. They're all on their uh, their little cell phones. And whenever the servers come around, came around, according to uh, Jonathan Schroeder, the adults were slow to respond, he remembers. And when the food came, they were slow to eat. And then, of course, they complained that their food was too cold and sent it back. Maybe they needed to be educated. Maybe we all do. Why? Because screen addiction is killing travel and vacation fun. And uh, the problem is more than significant, says Dwight DeWorth Palmeyer, who teaches communication studies at Widener University in Chester, Pennsylvania. The issue is simple, he says. Travelers are tied to their devices 24 hours a day. The travel industry wants it to be that way, ironically. The results can seem funny, like when park guests collide at Disney World, but they can also be tragic, and over the long haul, they can uh, damage relationships, and they are very troubling. Worst of all, there's no quick fix. And to get an idea of how, uh, how out of control the problem is, look no further than a recent Baylor University study of college students, and they're the uh, adults of the future, <laughs> the millennials, that found that uh, women get this spend an average of 10 hours a day on their cell phones, while male students, well, they have it better under control. They only spend eight hours a day. Can you believe that's as much uh, or more than the average work day in America spent on a cell phone? Don't know when they have time to do their uh, uh, studies and to go to class and all those other things that I thought you did when you were in college. <laughs> The research published in the Journal of Behavioral Addictions, and boy, if that is an addiction, I don't know what is, also noted that roughly 60% of college students admit they may be addicted to their cell phone. I hope those of us at middle age are a little more sensible in our use of the cell phone than that. And no similar studies have been conducted on travelers or vacationers, but just look around you on your next flight or your commute and tell me what you think. USA Today reports that uh, the antidote won't be easy. For starters, your electronics can be a quick, uh, a key to quick resolution of uh, a customer service problem, say a canceled flight or something like that. An answer is sometimes a Facebook message, tweet, or email away. And, for example, the Hilton Honors app allows you to use your smartphone as a digital key, liberating you from the plastic room keys that we all get, but requiring uh, you to keep your device on you at all times. And can you believe Royal Caribbean's new app allows you to check in, access your room, and order drinks? All you need is your cell phone. It's getting harder to unplug. <laughs> observes uh, Ellen Gunn, a family travel expert and frequent traveler, but it's not impossible. And here's some good news. There are resorts that offer digital detox packages that can help you, and laws designed to prevent distracted driving, of course, are passing left and right, and amen to that. I had a driver a couple of years ago that uh, swerved in right on the freeway in front of me, and uh, he was deep in thought on his cell phone. I had to pull up to avoid a collision. I'm sure you've had similar experiences. 
And there are plenty of good reasons to sit up beyond your safety and pay attention to what you're doing while you're traveling beyond personal safety. Relationship expert April Massini has a long list. Uh, for instance, uh, try a romantic vacation with just you, your sweetie, and that unwanted third party in the room, the cell phone. Screen addiction will dash, dash a romantic vacation, she says, and yes, even a honeymoon. It also uh, can throw a wrench into the spokes of your family time and threatens to turn every vacation into a working vacation. Uh, since the office can reach you 24-7. And isn't that a depressing thought? You're on vacation to uh, recharge your batteries, and your boss call, uh, contacts you with an emergency, uh, asks you to call in immediately, blah, blah, blah. That, that would uh, certainly not uh, recharge my batteries. How exotic, uh, exotic can a vacation be when you've got all the on, online creature comforts and distractions on the screen in front of you. Plus, of course, it's rude, and don't take my word for it, says USA Today. Remember the story the next time you're in a waiting area and someone has a loud conversation on the computer or phone. <laughs> Using common sense and discretion enables us to participate in travel as well as respecting those around us, says Jacqueline Yost president of the Pennsylvania Academy of Protocol. I didn't even know they had such academies. So next time you see a travel zombie veering off the road or bumping into a fellow pedestrian, remember that their behavior isn't just reckless and unmannerly. It's also taking everything away from vacation that should make it special. So snap out of it, for goodness sake. And here's a couple of uh, pieces of advice on how not to become a travel zombie. Uh, first of all, believe it or not, there's an app for that. A little ironic, isn't it? An app such as AT&T's Drive Mode can keep you focused on when you're driving. And, of course, when you're on the uh, airplane, you can put, put on the airplane mode to stop the barrage of notifications and uh, can help you, although I guess there's nothing wrong with uh, being on the email when you're on an airplane, unless you've got kids around me or around you or, or your spouse that you should be talking to. Uh, second, set hours for your tech, and that sounds to me like the best idea yet. You can set your own do not disturb hours on a device such as an iPhone when you're traveling or uh, when you're at a vacation destination like Disney World or wherever it may be to ensure you're completely focused on the experience and not paying attention to that blooming cell phone. And for Android users, there's also an app that can set more specific times and dates. And if all else fails, check into rehab. We've all heard of rehab for alcoholism and uh, addictions and other things like that. But uh, believe it or not, there's hotels such as the Renaissance, Ful uh, Renaissance Fulton Pittsburgh Hotel that offer a digital detox package. The hotel staff removes the television and iPod dock station from your room and replaces them with literary classics, board games, and playing cards. Sounds kind of boring to me, but that might be uh, the, the answer to your uh, addiction problem. And guests also need to surrender laptops and phones at check-in. Presumably, they get them back when they check out. <laughs> so whatever. Let's get over that addiction. Uh, it's taking too much away from your 
relationship with your family and your vacation time and all those other special things about travel. Uh, So snap out of it, for goodness sakes. And that's it for today. Tune in next week when uh, we'll talk about your uh how you can take your own virtual uh island for spiritual healing and that sounds like a fascinating subject doesn't it talk to you then on middle age can be your best age you've been listening to middle age can be your best age hosted by roy richards an expert on midlife renewal and author of both a midlife challenge wake up and wake up captain and crew restart your engines you can learn more about roy and his middle age renewal training system by visiting his website middleagerenewal.com 